Welcome to the Lost Stone Podcast. My name is Scott. I'm Jeremiah. And we are back for yet another week and a new interview. This week we have Andy Mitten on the show, and we'll get into a little bit more about who he is and what he's done in just a moment. But, yes. Jeremiah, before we get into that, let's get the Prime update for the week. Oh, well, you want something from my primies? I, re- I, re- I really wish you wouldn't call them primies. <laughs> my my primies, though, I, I, horrible. Guess what? They're primies now. I don't care if you people out there like it or Scott likes it. You, you got, are, the, you you got, got, these, you got these you got these math geeks out in America right now and across the un- entire world who listen to this show. Yes, they do. Who and they, now, and they, and they who, tune who now, in. Who are now like, guess what? I'm a primey. And they're, they're, they weren't getting laid to begin with. Guess what? Getting laid less. Really? Because they're now the primies? Because I, cause I send they're, them all they're, shirts They're getting that say laid primes. in only prime numbers and not even the good ones. Uh, oh, they're all good ones, though. Oh, so, what about this week's? How well, good is it? Well, this one, the prime factorization for 236. Oh, that's so even. Who cares about that? Well, it's 2 times 2 times 59, bitches. Anyway. We like to call the, that a mezzanine prime, meaning we look down on people who don't <laughs> like it from the mezzanine. Oh, I like that. I like that Like you t- you took like a real mathematical thing that could have sounded like people like, oh, oh it's a mezzanine prime. <laughs> Because I was talking about like a you know Palel Prime and all these yeah, like yeah, crazy yeah. things last week. Okay, cool. You stack right. them up, I knock them down, then I piss on them and kick them around, and then so, make a bad joke about it. So, so here's the thing. So, so we have talked about interviews all month, and we do have an amazing one for you today, which is Andy Mitten, uh, who is going to blow your mind because we've already talked to him. And uh, but before that, I, I want to also mention that. Uh, Okay, we've also mentioned having Lloyd Kaufman on, which we did not have. We had a half interview on. Yeah, we're still we working on rescheduling. We're still working on rescheduling that. So that is still coming up. That's probably going to be more of a November thing. Also, the man that plays Michael Myers himself, James Jude Courtney, absolutely, is going to be coming in uh, probably either, uh, I would guess, November. Well, I, I would, yeah, I would it's, it's hard to tell because we're also best scheduling. Best case scenario, the very. Uh, actually, I best would case say, scenario next week. Yeah, which actually would still be our November first show. Yeah, well, yes. so yeah. November. So um, anyway, we also want to make sure people head over to our Patreon, patreon.com slash lost at home. Uh, yes. We've been adding a lot of content this Halloween month over there. We've been doing horror in the globe, which is our uh, horror around, around the globe. Yeah, whatever. I, I know <laughs> I said that because because it, it, you can do the uh, acronym HAG. Have no. you not noticed that yet? Yeah, no, you texted me earlier about hag, and it confused the hell out of me. Like, we're doing hag stories today? What yeah, kind no, of ghost no, no. is that? Horror around the globe. Horror around the globe, yes. So, we're yeah, we're taking stories uh, around uh, the, the universe and the globe. And the globe. Uh, the globe is part of the universe. And we are talking about the uh, crazy kind of horror stuff that happens in different countries other than just the United States. Because usually we are very United States-centric. Yep, so. and we're also posting a bunch of other extra content. Look for it there. Uh, for $3 a month, you can get all that extra content. And if you're curious, like, I don't get Patreon, and I get my podcasts on my fo- my talkie phone. Well, uh, when you do the Patreon thing, well, you sign up for $3 a month. Oh, oh, never mind. Well, maybe oh, before they do that, they can subscribe, so I'm they can sorry. never I, unsubscribe. I was, I was getting way on, like, aggressive. Well, if they I'm die, sorry. they can never unsubscribe, meaning it just keeps taking so from bef- their bank oh, account. Right, yes, exactly. Until so it's your, empty. Put your credit card number in first. Yeah. So uh, when you uh, send that $3 over, you get all the content for that channel. Uh, lots of different shows, skits, musical things. Uh, oh, and we're going nuts this, this yeah, month. Yeah, we, and we've been going nuts with it. And uh, all you have to do, really, is you get an email as soon as you put your $3 in that gives you a link. Go to your favorite podcast app, and there's usually a plus symbol somewhere on the screen that says add a podcast. 
Uh, what you do is you add that RSS feed into that line, basically just cut and paste, and suddenly it appears every time we put up a new uh, bit, and it just shows up in your podcast thread just like any other show. Yeah, and, and here's the thing. I'm it's gonna br- that I'm, easy. I'm going to break the fourth wall here and, and note that we have already interviewed Andy before we're talking to you, and we already know that we're cutting probably a good 10 minutes out of the regular show you're about to hear that if- will only be available on Patreon because we are, uh, we're, you know, because we just want to make well, I mean, if, fucking If juice. you're listening on your standard podcast app, you're going to hear the whole thing. But we know we have a lot of radio, internet radio listeners, too, on the two radio networks that we're on. And those That's run correct. for yes. one hour exactly. So this is definitely going to go over for you guys. And the easiest way to get all of the content is oh, to no, go but to also, your favorite but, podcast app and subscribe. But I also know there's a couple of questions I'm literally cutting five or ten minutes out of that we've discussed ahead of time that you will only get on Patreon. So, yeah, the, uh, the, the, that, the unedited yes. Patreon interview, just like every interview we do, is much longer. And uh, even post-interview, we do a, yep, yep. a nice little discussion. Yep. And, and you'll, So you'll get the pre-interview. You'll get to hear us awkwardly uh, introduce the guest and then them awkwardly tell us that they never uh, want to talk to us again. And you will get that with Andy on Patreon. Say, none of that is true. <laughs> none of that. And you, but but you want to you want to get them hanging on so they'll go and, and spend the three dollars on the. Well, there, there there's some interesting stuff that you're not going to hear in the edited interview. So yeah. definitely make sure to go over to Patreon. Like uh, you'll get that unedited interview. You will get our horror around the globe. You will yeah. get. Uh, you actually, we're going to uh, do a quick recording at some point here of our uh, Halloween picks. Uh, we're going to try to get that up well before Halloween. Hopefully, That's right, yeah. And uh, there's other stuff there. We've done oh, what, oh, two oh, years of content. Yes, actually, there's a uh, there, there's my favorite episode, which uh, again only on Patreon. We interviewed Tom Cruise, and he admitted that he has raped everybody on the planet. And that is a Patreon exclusive from Lost at Home, ladies and gentlemen. Three dollars a month, you can get the biggest fucking thing to ever. Scott, save me. <laughs> <laughs> Go to Patreon and uh, prove us wrong. Make make uh, make liars out of Jer. I, I don't know where you're going with this, um, but uh, you will definitely get your money's worth for just $3. Okay. So um, besides that, uh, we do have Andy Benton on the show. Uh, Andy has a good connection with our show, which is uh, the number one podcast in Vermont. <laughs> Ooh, and he has uh, recently uh, released the like a, a, a movie that is... Uh, based uh, based in Vermont and shot in Vermont that uh, called The Witch in the Window that is uh, streaming exclusively exclusively on Shutter. If you do not have Shutter and you call yourself a horror fan, you're lying uh, because you need Shutter in order to be a horror fan. Now, Jerry, what films has uh, Andy done? Uh, so anyway, uh, Yellow Brick Road, which you can find on uh, Screenbox and a couple of other streaming services if you want. Uh, that is a great movie. Actually, the most recent one I've seen of his is actually that because I I, I caught up on that one. We Go On was ex- uh, uh, exclusively streaming on Shutter when it came out. Uh, you can find that on Shutter as well, uh, or you can uh, stream that on iTunes and whatnot. Um, but. Witch in the Window. The Witch in the Window is the one that is most recently streaming exclusively on Shutter. that just popped up October 18th that you need to watch. It has been uh, declared by Bloody Disgusting, uh, uh, Dread Central. Some of these, the biggest horror blogs and the horror people on the planet have testified to the beauty of this movie. And so now is Lost at Home Podcast. We throw our bones behind this movie and not only that, we are gonna we're gonna we're gonna let Andy Mitten talk about his bones behind this movie. So without further ado, here is our interview with Andy Mitten. Welcome to the show, Andy. It's nice having you on. 
Yeah, thanks so much for having me, guys. No, we, gra- yeah. we, we greatly appreciate it. Uh, being Vermonters, we uh, had a little bit of a special interest in your work. Um, you uh, yeah. had a film that came out very recently that we saw in Shudder, um, The Witch in the Window, and mm-hmm. we both loved it. And that was filmed here in Vermont. Uh, before we get a lot into your background, I would actually like to ask real quick, uh, where was that filmed? It was in Millbury. Um, just sort of right off campus, basically. At a, uh, the college had bought this house. It's called the Blair House, um, which is kind of apropos. Uh, the college bought it maybe a few years before we shot from this old eccentric couple who had died in that house. Ooh. And it was kind of this house um, that already had uh, kind of rumors. And it's the sort of house that like students would sneak in and have keggers on Saturday nights and dare themselves to go in. And um, the college wasn't doing anything with it, so they let us have it. So we kind of formed a production plan around that. And uh, I took all my key uh, designers uh, out of Los Angeles and, and brought everyone to Vermont. Very nice. Now, we're definitely going to loop back to this uh, project and talk a little bit more about your films. But this seems like a nice segue into uh, starting at the beginning, a little bit about how you got into this career and your connections to Vermont. Uh, Middlebury, uh, I believe from what I've heard, you went to college there? I did, yeah. Class of 2001. There's a whole bunch of us who I've worked with over the years. Um who have kind of stuck together from Middlebury. Um, so yeah, I, I, I was the class of 2001 there. I was a theater major. Um, I, I studied in the film department, but my, my way in has always been um, through theater. But going back before that as like a child and an adolescent, horror movies were always the plan. They were always my, my first love. And I, I, I grew up thinking that what I was learning in theater and what I was seeing, what I was loving in horror, that there would be a, a a good marriage there if I could, if I could get right with the sort of emphasis that gets placed in theater on on character and story. Um, so I sort of, you know, we we it was a bunch of us worked together in, in Vermont, and and then right out of school, um, we came out to Los Angeles, and I started a theater company there, and also started working in post production. Um, I'm an audio. Uh, post-production guy as well as a composer so I was sort of doing theater and post-production through my 20s um, uh, until the idea for Yellow Brick Road struck when I was 28 which was the first movie I made um, with my co-writer co-director Jesse Holland at the time and that was a whole bunch of us from Middlebury not knowing what we were doing begging for money going out into the woods in, in New Hampshire and making something crazy. So crazy it became this polarizing thing that people either loved or hated, which is a pretty good deal for your first movie. Mm-hmm. It's because no one walks out thinking of their grocery list, right? Everyone, it's like yeah, right, yeah. every Netflix review is either like a big hug or a death threat. <laughs> <laughs> so it was an interesting way to start uh, a career for, for Jesse and I both. Um, but that's what sort of kicked it off. And we ended up in LA with managers and agents and not knowing what to do with them and making uh, all sorts of bad decisions um before we got around to making our second movie we go on um and uh since then uh i I, what's funny about me is i sort of have this side career um in musical theater i uh i write music and lyrics for musicals um i've done a few shows out of the kennedy center so i left Los Angeles to come back and focus on that because I, I just felt um, a little lost. And it's funny, uh, it took leaving Los Angeles to kind of 
restart my career with this movie. I have completely taken your question and rambled the hell on. I <laughs> that, apologize. That, that's good. We actually appreciate that. But I am glad you, you start, actually uh, had a good uh, segue into my next question, which was actually specifically about, uh, I was going to bring up your co-director, co-writer, Jesse Holland. Um, you, yeah. you know, you made your first couple of bits, um, uh, include, and actually a short as well, uh, or, or a segment for an anthology as well. Uh, with him and The Witch in the Window was your first feature-length solo directorial effort and I'm just kind of curious what adjustments you had to make moving from a two-person shop to just yourself. Hmm. Uh, it was it, a lot to do with communication, I guess, first and foremost. Uh, I think the challenge of, of co-directing is making it so everyone feels like they only have to communicate with one of you to get their point across. And so it's up to you to be like one person. So everyone doesn't have to feel like they have to, they have to talk to two people to get their point across. So I think, um, things streamlined a little bit more, but certainly the workload <laughs> got heavier yeah. and I missed my buddy. He was on the other coast. Um, but in the end it was good for me. I, I felt I needed to get my feet under me, that Jesse and I, although we are still very close friends and uh, full-throated supporters of one another, we were interested in different avenues, I think, and different stories. Um, and I was, uh, I had sort of branched off to be the screenwriter. Uh, um, I, I was the sole screenwriter on our second movie. Um, and I was, you know, starting to pile up scripts that I wanted to make. Um, but when I got back here <laughs> with nothing without Jesse, yeah, it was more about um, making sure I I started off on my own with something that um, I could reach. You know, I knew I wasn't going to have much money, and I wanted to design a movie to be achievable. Um, especially after We Go On, which was like 40 locations all across Los Angeles, I really wanted to make a movie like mostly in one location where we could drop anchor together and really focus and not have all these company moves and um there's a certain family feel you get on location that we had on yellow brick road that i was trying to get back mm -hmm. that makes um sense. yeah uh, you know I, I really like working that way and that that's one of the great things about having left is that it's really no fun to shoot in la no one wants you to shoot there uh, <laughs> they're going to ask you for all your money for every location. <laughs> not excited that you're shooting, but when you go to Vermont, um, they're quite interested that you're shooting there, and 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 the police get on your side, right? The town gets on your side if you're if if you're kind and doing things right. So I really like that atmosphere. I thrive on that. Nice. That sounds like a really good experience. Uh, I'd like to think that Vermont is that kind of a welcoming place well, where I, I, you I, could do that. And I, and I will I will bring in just one little uh, uh, braggy tidbit uh, name droppy thing is uh, and my. Uh, first or second grade class trip when I was eight years old, uh, I watched the filming of a Beetlejuice scene for a first grade uh, field trip, actually. And uh, I remember Tim Burton and his crew saying kind of that same thing of how welcoming the community was. Uh, so it's it's been going on for long enough to where, you know, hopefully people will continue to do that, uh, you know, going through and realize how much of a welcoming community we are to the arts like didn't, that. Didn't you sit on Gina Davis's lap? I did, and I did not allow my uh, people to take me a uh, picture. I was so shy, and my friend, my friend, just posted a picture of him sitting on Gina Davis's lap in the in that dress, and like, and I and I, and I could have had that fucking picture, and I hate myself. Every day of my life. Anyway, yeah, um, that's that's pretty rough. I no, don't it's, know. It's rough, man. I'm just, I love Gina Davis. I love that movie. Anyway, uh, now, moving on. Uh, where was that? Was was it, that near Montpelier? That like uh, it was bridge, in, like it, where it they was, had the accident. I love so much when the dog 
is standing on the plank that's holding the oh, car up. Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, so, we, so I actually <laughs> saw like, I saw the scene where they went off the covered bridge, and it was in uh, East Corinth, which is where I went to uh, uh, elementary school. Or um, uh, so that and I, I lived nearby there. So that was, and it was a first grade uh, field trip. Like I, it must have been. I guess it was seven or eight years old, probably at the time. So. That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. We need more movies in Vermont. I couldn't agree more. Yep. Uh, it's, it's, it's tough because the, there's not much of a tax incentive. Um, yeah, yeah. So for us, it, it, it took having a, a, a free location to make it uh, financially feasible yeah. to come yeah. to Vermont and, that makes and shoot a movie like we wanted to. Yeah. And, and it's too bad too, because the, I mean, talk about an amazing setting when you, especially when you tar- start getting into like the, you know, some of the foliage seasons and the winter seasons of these, you know, amazing settings that you could have just at your disposal, um, you know, just based on our actual seasons. God, shooting like during that. a foliage season must be a nightmare though, because it's literally oh, yeah. <laughs> like I mean, three for, days. For, con- for continuity, yeah. <laughs> continuity, like there's no yeah. leaves anymore. Yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's constant change. That's yeah, that's rough. Yep. Now, um, out of curiosity, uh, do you have any plans on working with Jesse again on a future film effort? Oh, I think we would both really like that a lot. I mean, I think that there's value. Uh, you know, he's done a film on his own too. He he made a movie for uh, Sci-Fi last year. Oh. Um, so if we're, uh, you know, I, I think it would be healthy for us to to get a few things under us to 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 feel like. Um, we're on a course and then there's actually a particular script we worked really hard on together um, in the story process that's like this uh, kind of an ice road truckers adventure that takes place on the uh, the Alcan Highway up um, up in the tundra in Canada and Alaska um, and emotionally it would feel really great to come back and be able to shoot that film with Jesse um, because it feels it would be weird to do it without him so yeah, and we talk a lot, and you know he's he's a very good friend. Well, and, and speaking of styles, are you thinking of uh, sticking with the horror genre for the most part? I mean, I know the horror genre is extremely fluid as ter- in terms of like it can go all over the place. You can make a slasher, you can make a torture porn, you can make a real you know like a Babadook or something like that. But are you uh, are you going to stick to that? Or are you looking to work on very specific non-genre work? No, I'm really into horror so and genre happy, happy I mean, to hear I that <laughs> stretching yeah yeah I, I i just think it's the best place to be working mm-hmm. i mean what what other genre could i have just made a bloodless movie with no stars uh and and, and have it be received by a community I, th- I think that really only happens in the genre community i, I think it's, so yeah like that, that and rom-coms. they're not they don't have conventions <laughs> for romantic comedy you know yeah, like the yeah. passion and the of of the genre community there's nothing like it and it's a great place to collide art and entertainment it's a great place to um i I think i you know earlier in my career i was a little bit too message first i think i was uh i've learned over time to to make sure the horror i think is right and make sure there are pathways in the story for my themes and the things i might want to explore and say but um but hopefully over time, like the, the, the horror is getting better. So, uh, so it's not, it can feel hopefully, uh, not pretentious, not just message based filmmaking. Um, I want to move more and more into horror. The thing is to get it really right and make a sensory movie, like with the inserts of what people are touching and tasting and feeling, you need more money. Um, and you need more days to shoot and you need more shots. Um, so I've never been able to put something up that I really that that's really the movie in my head. Uh, I've had less money every time I've gone out, <laughs> but I think <laughs> I hope the movies got better. But um, yeah, I do. I, I'm I'm really anxious to make more sensory um, 
horror that I, I still think hopefully that people could think about, but maybe after it's over. <laughs> I, I like that term sensory horror. I feel like it really applies to The Witch in the Window, which we uh, started the show off by uh, discussing ever so briefly. Um, I want to kind of loop back to that. And I was curious, uh, what led you to the path of making The Witch in the Window in particular, that, that very specific family-oriented story? Yeah, well... I, you know, this movie was kind of built off the need to make a movie, which happens a lot. Uh, There's kind of no shame in it. I mean, I'd gotten back to the East Coast. I was alone. Like I said, I, I was I had no footing. Um, but what I had was Alex Draper. And Alex, who's the lead mm-hmm. in Witch in the Window, yeah. he was in Yellow Brick, my first film. He is he teaches theater in Middlebury. He's a tenured professor. So he remains this. He's he's there. That's why people don't see his work as often. Um but he is as good as anyone, and I knew that. Um, so I called him and was like, "Hey, you know, I, 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 I know you can carry a movie, and I know that Vermont has many thousands of creepy houses. If you find me the house, um, I will, I'll, I'll write a script for you and for the house, and uh, and we'll bring the production to Vermont." So it was sort of born that way, and I knew uh, movies for me start with moments. Um, so I think the moment of this movie, without being spoilery, happens at a certain uh, a phone call scene, we'll say, mm-hmm. um, where the rug gets sort of pulled. Yep. I think of those moments first, because those are the things, um, if it's special and you pull it off, those are the iconic moments. Those are the things that make a movie sort of live on. So I had that moment in my mind sort of before I even had all the characters fleshed out. Um, and I tried to make a haunted house movie that pleased my 13 year old self like all the things he expects when he hears he's going to watch a haunted house movie my 13 year old self has certain boxes he needs checked and i try and check them um and and then i try and make my adult self happy who's got um other things he wants to explore when it comes to my fears of of parenting (laughs) in the world we live in right now yeah that scene in particular is uh, i would say it's easily iconic like it's got one of those moments that really sticks with you it's chilling yeah. and once again i'm going to skirt around it without giving it a particular i, I was going to do the same i, yeah. I don't want anyone who's listening who hasn't seen this yet <laughs> to have that moment ruined because it, it's what i mean the whole movie stands out to me i loved it but that moment the one it, where it, the one we're all yeah. alluding to <laughs> <laughs> yeah and, and which is terrible when nobody sees the movie but like you have to see the movie just for this one scene if for nothing else and, and you'll enjoy everything else but like that one scene really did get me it to where it, it like it like i the the breath got sucked out of me when i saw it because i was not expecting it but it's not a it's not a pandering twist either it's not like an like you're just trying to copy an m night Shyamalan twist it's not even i wouldn't even call it a twist it was just a a moment that really was just—it's so central to the movie that we're talking about, and and in more ways it's so than chilling. one, it's almost chilling, literally it chilling. almost is kind of central. It's not in the third act. Yeah, yeah, and well, and, and no, and, not yeah. quite right. And and, the, and actually, the way that you you wrote the movie seemed actually kind of unorthodox in that. Uh, you know, and again, I, it's really hard to talk about this without giving everything away. But as far as like some of the realizations that come out, um, you would expect to have at the very late part of a third act, and some stuff you uh, reveal early on, and you're like, "We're going to live with this. And we're going to like face some of these horrors head on early, instead of saving these for the for the third act." And that was really impressive, and from a writing standpoint, and, and courageous in terms of making that decision to be like, "Oh, we're we're just going to reveal this like." you know character or this this horror so early on and we're going to have our characters deal with it because this is a character driven enterprise right now yeah that's i'm thank you i'm glad to hear you say all of that yeah i it's for me it's like um 
<laughs> it's this mix of because I love all the I love haunted house movies of it. Like I love the James Wan stuff, right? I love yeah. the Conjuring and and all that stuff. I get totally into that. But you know what I find myself saying a lot is that the uh, because we know those rhythms so well, um, we know that music so well. We are we are now as an audience set up for the rhythms, mm-hmm. and, we, and our body even knows when things are coming. So it lets the little guy like me stand up and play the off rhythm. Um, it's because of those movies that that a movie like this can play the off rhythm and 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 can make you uh, wait unusual amounts of time. I, I think of everything like a piece of music, and I like that this movie moves at a pace that that lulls you sort of you know for the first forty minutes, and then um, and then all bets are off in terms of where you, when you think you have your footing. I really like to change the rhythm, um, and I find that if if you get that balance of the things people expect, like this movie has, you know, like Pet Cemetery, the local neighbor, right? The trope of like oh, right, the yeah. rural neighbor who tells the backstory. There are things that feel familiar. And I think if there are enough of those, then you can get away with surprising and, and it doesn't feel hopefully for the sake of surprise that it that that the story moments are earned. Um in that particular scene you're talking about, um, Shudder actually, uh I was talking to Sam Zimmerman at Shudder and he I don't know if he was him that coined it, but I know they they they're calling that the emotional jump scare. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. It's somehow the invention of the emotional jump scare. <laughs> it totally no, ab- absolutely. And I I, I mean, it, and it was just the, the the way that everything played out was. I mean, and and I'm actually glad you mentioned like the rhythm of everything like that because I hadn't actually thought about it as uh, musically, uh, which is funny because I'm, as as a musician, I would normally think about that, but as as the imagery as music and it was funny too because I, one of the earlier uh questions i had that you've already answered which was uh you know you're listed as a composer and i was curious if you actually had a background in that and and, and uh you know or whether or not you developed that because of this but i am actually curious about your background as a composer um because that seems to be a really important part to movies in general and you have some of these people who can do both really well and the movie's we go on. You were a composer on, and this one you were a composer. Uh, the Witch of the Window, and then you think about people like uh, you know John Carpenter who do both, who can actually t- yeah. take their vision in both cases. I'm curious how you were able to marry uh, you know the, the two of those: your love for composition and your love for the visual composition together in the, in these movies. Um, well, it it um, I'm very skeptical of myself as a composer. I'm I'm comfortable working in musical theater. You know, when I was in LA, I had a rock band um, for a, a lot of years. We just you know mm. we were kind of band. Like, we weren't that ambitious. We would quietly play on the strip. And I've been writing songs on the piano and the guitar since I was young, but it wasn't ever like a career thing for me. It was more like a diary. It was just something I did. Um, that I enjoyed that 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 uh, kept me in balance and uh, so I would I never played for anyone more than my friends or who was around and then um, people who got into my music uh, later on you know would, would roped me into doing musicals which I didn't think I'd be able to do so I this the idea of scoring instrumentally was pretty new I, I'd done a lot of plays um, and it's it's funny when you score a play it's gone when you're done you know it lives right. for like two weekends and the music is gone so before we made witch in the window i scored a, a play just this regional play and uh something that became eventually the main theme for the movie happened in that process and i kind of knew as i was writing it um that it belonged in the movie uh 
So I hired myself on both these movies because I was I felt I could do it. We go on was more synthetic kind of Trent Reznor, Atticus Rossi sort yeah. of world, um, and this was going to be more. This has a bed of that. This has a synthy sort of bed because I, I know I'm not going to afford to get like an 80 piece orchestra in a room. So I feel like if you have a synthetic bed, you can get away with uh, your home studio approach. Um, but it's because I had that theme and we were shooting when we were shooting the movie, we knew the theme and I would play it for my DP, Justin Kane, who's amazing. And uh, so it was in my head. But um, in post, I almost fired myself a couple times. times. Uh, <laughs> I, I would just meet. I have so many musical heroes and people I want to work with um, that I don't plan on scoring all my movies. I, I'll score them when I'm the right hire. Um but I don't imagine that's going to be very often. Whereas as an editor, I feel like I don't know how other directors don't edit because to me, it just feels like completing my thought. Um, and I don't have to be the final edit. I'm not in that position where I can you know, go around demanding final cut, but I can say, I want to complete my thought. That makes, and then we can all talk. That makes a lot of sense. I'm actually a Kevin Smith fan and I listen to some of his podcasts and he talks a lot about directing and how he used to edit all of his films and he pretty much mirrored exactly your sentiments. He was like, I, I made this, I want to see it through. Yeah, and I, I don't get yeah. how, I, I understand that too. Where like, I don't get how you would have that vision in your head and then, and I, I understand like trusting some professionals to help you out with it, but I also think the reason there's so many director's cuts out there because they leave it and then they get something like, oh God, no, and then they just go make their own cut of it whereas i think if you can actually work in coordination with uh you know a, a collaboration with other uh editors that actually really can you know help synthesize your vision uh, all together you can actually make something pretty pretty pure to your vision while also making something really technical as well yeah i totally agree i mean I, you have to stay collaborative the more hats you wear the more collaborative you have to be yeah. i actually think that that uh, being a solo director, even though I wore more hats for this, this was my most collaborative process because I was so scared of being in that vacuum, where I would lose sight of what I was doing. So I was constantly turning to my producer Richard King, or or uh, I was editing things so people could see them, like like the scene we're talking about, uh, mm -hmm. the phone call scene. There, you you know, I hang. I was very stubborn about hanging on a certain two shot for as long as I could, but. Uh, we did get other coverage, and I did show it to people to make sure they could see why I was going <laughs> the direction I was going. Um, so, you know, more and more as I go on, um, although you could define me as an auteur for all that I do, I don't think of myself that way. I don't make movies for me. I make movies for my audience. If it's if it just works for me, but no one else, like well, I'm, I'm just being a dick at that point and spending money. Like <laughs> I, I feel yeah. like I, at this point, I you know I don't take it. I don't take everything too seriously, but I test. We make questionnaires. We ask questions. We make sure that things are clear, especially in these stories where I'm usually trying to walk a line between giving enough information to satisfy but leaving a veil over certain things because it's scarier to me. Well, I, I, uh, I think there's something, too, where, where sometimes people can be a little too cocky in their vision. And I'm not saying, like, people with a pure vision shouldn't, like, see it out. But, like, sometimes people underestimate the power of... of taking feedback and things like that. And when you're still willing to be like, at the end of the day, 
if it's good, it's good. Like that's the way I always look at it. Like so, if if you create something that you would still watch as you and you appreciate it, to to me that's still good. Even if you took other people's feedback, like that's even better if you could take that and make it something you wouldn't even know you would make otherwise. And I, I think like that that's a sign of a lot of like the the you know I mean there are definitely some visionaries who are you know staunch in their vision. They will never t- like talk to anybody. But I think for the most part, you'll see the the greats listen to other people and they will take they understand good collaborative approaches and they will actually take everybody's insight and know which ones to dismiss and which ones to to incorporate totally i completely agree i mean yeah there are outliers like like uh like dan dan brennan who i uh he's who i do all my sound mixing with i have this great uh this great situation where my best friend from high school we were lab partners in seventh grade just happens to now be a top engineer at soundtrack new york <laughs> lucky you so at the end of my process i get to sit i get to sit with my best friend and you know and 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 kind of go through and be creative together as we've always been but dan works with craig zoller um who is one of those outliers i don't know if you're familiar you know um uh bone tomahawk and oh yeah brawl on cell block yeah yep. Uh, and he's got this new movie dragged across concrete that he got final cut on. And, you know, he's he's just one of those guys. He 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 will run you right over. He brought his movie in at like somewhere near three hours. Didn't care what anyone said. <laughs> and there's a greatness to it, I think, because of it. But that's not it's just not me. Hmm. And life is too short uh, and it's too hard to make these things like being collaborative is ultimately it's more fun. It's more rewarding, and you 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 make more contacts, I think, and and uh, more friends. Well, and you can still make some amazing co- uh, content, as we've seen from the the movies, and especially since you started with collaboration to to the ultimate degree with co-directing and co-writing movies, which is you know tough for some people to undertake to begin with. Uh, some people are you know so stuck in their vision. It's great that you can actually collaborate like that and are willing to take that. Um, I'm actually curious uh, before we head into our ten questions. Uh, you know. Uh, if you see another Vermont based film in your future? Uh, Oh no. Yeah. Yeah. As much as I can shoot in new England. Um, I, I would, I, yeah, definitely. And before I would go back to Vermont, I feel like Maine is sort of Stephen King's. Like, I don't want to fuck with Maine. Yeah, yeah. everyone's <laughs> gonna like hold like... you against him. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> in New Hampshire, with uh, because you did that uh, Yellow Brick Road, and I, I was gonna bring up the yeah. the, the sound. I, I I I'm gonna geek out at some separate point on all your sound design stuff later, so we don't bore everybody on that. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so Yellow Brick Road was shot was uh, took place in uh, New Hampshire as well. But yeah, New New, uh, New England in general just is a bastion for this kind of stuff. Yeah, but what is it about that border between New Hampshire and Vermont? It's the same piece of land, but mm-hmm. when you cross the border, it goes from dark to light. It's just, it's so funny to me. It's, it's felt that way since I was a kid. Like, New Hampshire is sort of like the live free or die where all my relatives had gun closets and I was scared of them. Um, <laughs> and Vermont is this, like, bastion of sort of, uh, you know, uh, what? like the open arms of the green mountains it's yeah, so we're, funny we're, how different we're two different states entirely yeah we're, we're yeah. upside where we look like upside down versions of each other for a reason literally <laughs> it, it's it's uh yeah it's a, the good side and the bad side or yeah, the yin yeah. and the yang yep yeah keep me out of keep me out of new hampshire that's all i say <laughs> like like yeah. in, in new hampshire there's another version of jared and i but we have goatees yes we have goatees <laughs> yeah. and gun closets yes yes <laughs> Maybe right. you have a gun closet anyway, but that's... Uh, I, I that's, do not. That's, that's I, 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 can, I can speak for both of us. We do not. Yes. <laughs> I've never felt the need to own a gun in Vermont. It's safe. 
Uh, yeah, I feel like exactly. my, I, I would be the biggest uh, threat to myself with a gun. Like I, I would mean, be just, dead right now. Like I would I would trip over <laughs> it because I'd be like leaving it out and I would be dead by now. So anyway. Yeah, you guys are my people. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess a uh, follow-up to Jer's uh, Vermont question. Uh, if you shoot in Vermont again, uh, do you need any extras? <laughs> oh, that's not a follow-up. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I can't make a movie with less characters than this. I, yeah, I need, I, I'm, I'm yeah. gonna need more people. Yeah, yeah, come we'll, along. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, if, if you make one that needs like 1,400 people, you know, just toss us in the background. Uh, well, I actually am curious if, <laughs> we, if, we, if we're, yeah. we we would play the podcasters in any role that requires a podcast. Yeah, in other words, in other words, douchebags. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> this is good to know before I write. Yes, it yeah. Could be oh, more yeah. Than an extra hey, theater. hey, you wrote a whole movie around Alex Draper because he's amazing uh, actor and uh, an amazing house how about you write a horror movie about podcasts <laughs> don't do that, they that inter- yeah it's a three quarters of the way through the movie they've been interviewing a ghost the whole time yeah yeah and it was and it was bruce willis <laughs> uh just kidding please don't do that if you do that i will lose oh, all respect way. for you <laughs> <laughs> uh, and you are not allowed on the podcast that you wrote the movie about. Um, uh, anyway, I'm actually, I, I, I am curious if there, before we go into our 10 questions, if there are any uh, new projects. I, I've read some interviews uh, and you're saying you've got some new projects that you're working on the uh, writing and stuff like that. Are there any, any projects that you can actually talk about that are in the works? Uh, sure. Yeah. And I do so with, you know, the proper degree of hesitation. I'm jaded enough at this point. I know not to count my chickens exactly, but right, okay. um, I know I'm at the. I'm finishing a new screenplay that I'm very excited about. That's sort of the flip of this movie. Um, that it's a haunted high rise, uh, kind of an urban horror Ooh, story nice. that uh, kind of embraces technology and the sort of ghost in the machine um, sensibility. Um, and it's a little bit like, um, you know, I admire what like uh, we all admire like what get out and all these you know it's a great time for horror but what's really exciting i think is that um through history I, at least i was taught that when shit is bad in the world it's comedies go up and horrors go horror goes away um people want to be lifted but that's not what's happening right now uh shit is bad and people want to look at it mm-hmm. and horror yeah. is giving this other lens and you know what's great about a movie like get out is it gives you that lens but doesn't take itself super seriously uh it, it also builds a roller coaster unless you have a good time so i love that model i'm trying to i'm trying to sort of use that model in what i'm writing now um so that's i'm excited about that and then there's a movie called doll makers that i've been holding out to direct for years um that i might have my shot now i don't know but uh it's a high school voodoo doll movie um it is so different from this that that has been my problem. <laughs> it's like, okay. uh, it's almost more like Edgar Wright, Tarantino kind of, you know, it is genre, it is horror, but it's bloody as hell. It's rebellious and fun and vulgar. It's sort of um, uh, skewers my youth and my, my high school experience and sort of my dream project. Um, it's the movie I would have watched every day when I was 13. Nice. So uh, I'm, I'm hoping... I'm hoping whichever of those two is next, I hope it's one of them. Um, and I'd be happy to make either. Nice. Uh, yeah, before we uh, move into the 10 questions, uh, the Ghost in the Machine style story about the high rise you were talking about, mm. um, all I could think of now in my head is like a haunted Alexa or ghost using one of those. Uh, just, just, <laughs> just the idea of all these eye devices we have and smart devices, like how you know it could be penetrated and used against you. All oh, right, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, yep, and, and, totally. and, and I'm glad to hear that because uh, I actually one of the uh, interviews I did read that you were saying you know moving into sort of like a 
comedic horror type uh, realm or you know some of the I wouldn't say lighthearted horror where it's still horror for Cedric's sake um uh you're just hearing that you're you're still thinking about moving into that realm is actually really uh comforting to know that because uh we you know we've we've we're really big fans of that that uh genre in general but also like comedy and horror as we all know have a lot of things in common so i think if you're good at one you could be good at both so i like seeing when they're a little bit uh a little bit mashed up so yeah, that's cool. Yeah, totally. And I, it's something that I've valued um, in both We Go On and this movie. I think I find audiences are, uh, are surprised by the amount of comedy that's actually hidden yep. in small ways in these movies, which is just, for me, it's successful. If it's successful at all, it's because the characters are the ones with the sense of humor, not not the writer. You don't feel like someone's making jokes at you. You just feel like you're watching characters who have a gallows sense of humor about things, and you get to laugh with them. And that, that's a, that's a sensitive like balance too, because as as a as a writer, you have to realize you're writing for the characters. You're not just writing yourself into the characters. So you have to realize like when right. people say these things, and and honestly, almost everybody I know has a sense of humor and will make light in any dark situation. So it's really important to kind of bring that into that without also making something seem like a parody and all of a sudden you can't be scared. I think about the old, like, uh, later uh, Nightmare on Elm Streets where suddenly he was just a pun machine where, like, there wasn't anything scary about Freddy anymore. But in the early ones, he could still do that and, like, jab it a little bit at you while still being absolutely terrifying. And it was, like, just totally. be- beautiful writing yeah. of that in that case. That was the point of Freddy. That's why it was this. It, I'm still shocked that when the Platinum Dunes made their reboot, that they embraced like the 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 sex crimes element of Freddy. I was like, well, way to go for the least fun angle <laughs> on the most fun franchise. No yeah. matter what you know, we do in this great. film, we need to keep the yeah, pedophilia yeah. in yeah. here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like, just statistics will show that pedophilia sells for some reason. I don't know. Fuck it. <laughs> That's that. It is a laugh That's, riot. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> That'll get people in their seats. Just, just. <laughs> anyway, uh, well, this is a good time to move into 10 questions if you're ready for that. I'm ready. Uh, Scott, you want to take odds? Sure. Uh, the first one's kind of a softball. We ask this to every single guest we have. Uh, kind of a barometer, and we also like comparing everyone's answers. It's yep. just kind of a fun side game for us. Uh, okay. Who is your favorite Ghostbuster? And that, there's, My favorite there's Ghostbuster. There's eight of them now. Yeah, there's eight. Yep. Uh, wow, that's... Well, I'm not I'm not dealing with any of the new Ghostbusters. Let's yep. not go there. Yep. Um, my favorite Ghostbuster is Bankman. Oh, very good. Yeah, that's a that's good. I, I'm, I've been a uh, uh, a Spangler man myself, but you know, it's uh, a good it's a good way to go. Yeah, but but bit, but Venkman has my favorite line, which is "Back off, man! I'm a scientist," which is one of the best lines like ever that. written like that. in any script oh, ever. Oh, I mean, also nobody steps on a church in my town. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> <laughs> which is funny because yeah, oh my god, there's that's so many great lines. The the onions that you could peel. Oh my god, the comedy onions and that. Anyway, um, so uh, <laughs> what was your favorite Halloween costume as a kid? Another little softball here. My favorite Halloween costume as a kid was um, uh, it it was the year I was Freddy. Um, uh, only because I really I whatever I ended up putting on my face had, it, like stayed on my face I think for a week it was it did serious damage to my face oh but yes it was uh, I had <laughs> it was the only time I think I scared myself because I wasn't old enough to really see the movies but I'd gone to the fair you know when you go to fairs and they, they have that game you give them a couple bucks and you can throw a dart and, and whatever poster the dart hits you bring home yep absolutely um 
Well, I my dart almost accidentally hit a, hit Freddy uh, when I was too little to have Freddy on my wall staring at me at night. So I, <laughs> I I thought, well, I'll be him for Halloween and I'll overcome this. And I I I whoever I think my mom must have done such a good job in the costume that I scared myself. Uh, <laughs> Nice. <laughs> so I think if you can scare yourself at a young age with your own Halloween costume, that that'll win. That's that's funny too because I remember being uh, uh, Freddy a couple years and uh, year two and and beyond. I was only wearing the glove because the first year I bought some over the counter like face stuff and it pretty much burned me. Like it was exactly. it was it was before yeah it was before they could actually like they they, they had any regulations that you're like yeah hey, put it on your face dum dum and like <laughs> and you just like put this plastic on your face and like yeah just and then light a match to it and it'll make it look good and like yeah. and then and my mom brought me out it's like why are you screaming and I was like no no reason yeah, I'm was, Freddy Krueger it was tested on animals before you and they're like look <laughs> they're squealing in delight yeah, yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> But but then I, I I kept the glove and I went as Freddie with just the glove for a while in the sweater so I appreciate that. All right, um, num- <laughs> number three. Uh, earlier we talked very little about comedy, but we did bring it up. Uh, what's your favorite comedy film? My favorite comedy film is. Well, I kind of got to separate. Is it is it cheating to separate dark comedy? I just think of them so differently. Um, you you do you. We can, we can go, take both. Yep. I'll, you know what? I'll 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 choose. I'll commit. I'm going to say After Hours. Um, Martin Scorsese in the '80s. You guys know that one? Oh my God! I'm I'm trying to bring it to memory. No, I don't who's, think so. Uh, who's the lead? Griffin Dunn. No, no. Actually, no. I don't think I've ever seen that. Are you guys going to put this on your list? In my top no, it's, five. It's, of it's, all it's time. got it's 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 on I'm our list right now. Into the show notes right now. Yeah, yeah. No, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna love it it's it's um it's just it's funny people don't know it. he made two comedies quietly in the 80s the king of comedy um with de niro and uh and jerry lewis yeah and i remember that and one. this movie after hours and it's one of these like one of these movies kind of like blind date or something that tumbles out over the course of one night that events just sort of pile up it's got uh rosanna arquette and john hurd cheech and chong are oh running around that God, movie how do i not know it this movie not, yeah i'm a little confused myself. Says, right well I, I, I believe me, you're gonna enjoy it. <laughs> no, thank, but, thank, uh, I'll thank take you. That well, it's we very, it's a dark comedy. If I have to go completely light, straight comedy, I'm gonna take Spinal Tap. Well, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah that's but, great. Yeah. But no, but yeah, I'm, I'm just glad to know that I, I've come out of this with uh, at least a, a dark comedy to watch after this. It's gonna be amazing. Agreed. Um, I, I, it's, I feel kind of stupid because I, I feel like I'm learned as far as films we both go. think we're like movie geeks and then we yeah. just heard about a movie we've never seen yeah and now we're, we're gonna cut that fucking question out like we're not gonna let our listeners know we didn't, we, you know we're, we're gonna like replace it with yes i know what you're talking about that scene where and we're, like, we're gonna watch it tonight and like know everything about them we read the wikipedia article about it anyway do it, do it i'll never tell okay <laughs> it's gonna end with do it do it i'll never tell and everybody will know uh Anyway, uh, uh, number four, if there's a parallel universe where your existing movies are actually directed by another director that exists now, who do you hope is directing these movies? Um, kind of a bandwagon answer, but man, the Coen brothers, of course. Really? Awesome. I, mean, I always think about like what, what would horror movies be like if the Coen brothers directed them and that's sort of how i try and design my shots honestly so okay so so what would so how would uh, some of the shots in you know wish in the window yellow brick road we go on like change if the coen brothers were would, would they change or were you trying to like i'm guessing a different score 
But they will tell you exactly how they'd change. Exactly, you know, they they might they you know they're friends with Alex, so they will probably see this movie. Um, I like. I'm oh. not going to think about that. Okay. I uh, you should. I, yeah, I I I think they would just get you know better and more expensive the shots. <laughs> but I I we you know what I what the reason I that sort of inspires me in making horror movies is a question you get a lot is like what horror movies were you referencing with your shot design and your blocking and everything and I'm never doing that um, if anything what I admire about the Coen brothers or like you know my very favorite movies like Boogie Nights is one of my it's in my top three oh, yeah. I've seen oh, Boogie Nights P- like yeah P.T. Anderson is yeah. amazing yeah it's the best if only he would play rock and roll again and make a Boogie Nights not that I don't yes. love everything he's done but like I uh, it, I think in thinking about what should happen in a shot and how the camera should move, I only oh, I, I'm always thinking only about story. What is the character feeling? What do they need? I'm it, whereas too often in horror movies, it's like the camera creeping up on something. It's just uh, shot design becomes a way to tell you how to be scared. The same way that too much score, too much bass drone can can cue you uh, can actually ruin tension. Um, so I really like the idea of making horror movies, but uh, with a pure story approach to uh, to the design, which is how I think of their approach. Well, and I think about that when when you think about the uh, what I, I was talking about the fluidity of horror movies is the thing that I love about it is that you can like there's a horror element that makes you maybe scared or feel something or like unsettled, but for the most part, the way it's shot and things like that, you, like you you can. You you take all these elements from drama and the timing of comedy and all this kind of stuff that you can and and the and the uh, the camera angles from all these other elements that can actually make the movie to make you scared or make you feel a certain way and you know because you think about like Stanley Kubrick could shoot any kind of movie he wanted and every single one felt like Stanley Kubrick but when he shot a horror it felt like a horror movie and when he shot a comedy it felt like a comedy or a drama it felt like a drama like you can really yeah. you can really blend those elements and the, and the fluidity of horror is what i love about the genre is that it's it's almost not a genre it's just like a, a feeling and people that's why everybody's like that's not horror that's not horror every time you read <laughs> right. any any comment i'm just like that's not horror nobody got stabbed nobody got tortured that's not horror <laughs> like everybody has a different sensibility of like I've, I've seen dramas that feel like horrors to me because it just hurts me inside so anyway yeah <laughs> yeah it's <laughs> the way it goes uh, all right uh, oh yeah, number, number five. five um in all the time you've been in vermont through filming and you know other interactions uh what's the weirdest thing you've ever had happen to you in the green mountain state oh wow um weirdest thing i've ever had happen to me in the green mountains i would say um weirdest thing my god this is gonna all right i'm taking a moment oh that's, me that's fine it. through the magic of editing this will be a very smooth transition <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> that's right you have, this um, moment is instantaneous <laughs> i think i think the weirdest thing that that the weirdest thing god um i'm just failing you oh no it's fine like like i said we could edit this you could say the most interesting thing (laughs) yeah we can switch it around do you want me to start the question over again the most the 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 most interesting thing I, i think um i can i can come up with weird 
Um, interesting should be the same as weird, right? This so, is gonna, this is gonna be I'm fun for the Patreon listeners. About a mushroom trip yeah. or something. By the way, uh, uh, we, no, that, we, that's fine too. Yeah. By like, the way, yeah. since we're editing out what we're saying right now, uh, we take the interviews unedited and put them on Patreon for people who are willing to pay to hear all the flubs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the this is this is for you listeners who are paying. <laughs> you like you like this, guys? This is good, right? Yeah. It's, oh, Old this is beautiful. Um. Yeah, I, I, uh, sure. I, I, uh, I'll go there. Sorry, mom. I ate mushrooms and, uh, walked around in a, uh, a graveyard. I shouldn't have been in somewhere in the green mountains. Um, and I don't remember everything about that night, but I can pretty much guarantee, uh, it's the weirdest, scariest night I've had, uh, out there in the mountains. I've done the exact same thing, but during the day. Yes, and I, I, would, I would, just just to say also thank yeah yeah sorry mom I I do that every single day when I go to work I just I just eat mushrooms <laughs> yeah no but anyway uh, yeah no that's that's beautiful uh, I appreciate my, it. I, I, I'm not apologizing to my mom and mine was real <laughs> uh, all right it's it, oh it's me all right uh, if you could haunt number six if you could haunt anyone in the afterlife who would that be. I, I guess they don't need to be dead yet, the right? the afterlife haunting a living person. Yes, yes, remaining. right. Yeah, yeah. So you're you're in the afterlife? So, Scott, so if, yeah. yeah, I wrote this question. So, yeah, yeah if you died tomorrow oh, oh, and, right. and came back as a ghost and could haunt, haunt somebody someone, now. who would you haunt? Haunt someone, like, impactfully? Like, like yeah. any way you want. It, 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 could, it could be I fun. Could, you could just I hang out with your buddy. Up. You'd just be like, go hang out with Jesse yeah, you, if you, you want. Yeah, but. you could just hang out with someone, or you could always be tipping over their coffee every time they pour a new one. Yeah, or you could murder them. <laughs> oh. Uh, I'll go with Mitch McConnell. <laughs> All the- <laughs> that was so quick. <laughs> oh, oh, easily. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to piss in his coffee, and then, like, over yeah. time after he's tortured, I will, uh, I will slay him. Um, yeah, and I imagine with the people who come into his office, I'll have access to all sorts of other assholes. Oh, so yeah, it'll be productive. Oh yeah, you should definitely like you live in his office the whole time. Yeah, totally. absolutely. Um, all right, number seven. Uh, this is a Halloween question. Did you partake mm-hmm. in any tricks instead of treats on Halloween when you were a kid, like pranks and such? Um. No, I was too much of a uh, of a coward outwardly. I stuck to treats, but inside my house, when it came to my older sister, uh, she got all of it because I felt very comfortable there. So uh, I would constantly, especially on Halloween, I think it's a very simple thing. But this this was big for my sister. Um, she was a really big fan of Oreo cookies. And I took the, the Oreos and I scraped the cream out and put toothpaste where the cream was. Nice. And um, it's a simple trick. But uh, it's, a it's, solid, it's a good result. Yeah, that's a classic. With it's all, a good one. With it's all a good, the, yeah, it's, it's a good younger brother trick. With yeah. all the new flavors of Oreos that come out like every day, I, I can't believe that's not a flavor that yeah, you yeah, just yeah. buy in the store at this point. They had watermelon for a while. Yeah, yeah. They had watermelon Oreos. Yes, and why? Oh, oh. Who wanted that? Nobody. God, the, nobody. <laughs> you could have been like an entrepreneur just been like, no, I was just uh, testing out my new flavor. Uh, Colgate Oreos and uh, gets your teeth clean as you dirty them yeah exactly yeah oh my god it could have instead of people giving raisins out they would have given that shit out oh my it would have been amazing alright anyway uh, number eight if you were forced absolutely forced to reboot an old horror movie or horror franchise 
what would you choose? Reboots are the are the rage. Everybody's rebooting everything nowadays. Or soft rebooting. Don't um, th- 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 just shut up. <laughs> <laughs> soft rebooting. Soft it rebooting for you, like reboot, movie? like at number two. What what, what what's that, Andy? Sorry. It, it could be a singular movie, not not necessarily. Yes, yeah, a yeah. Now, like 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 for instance, like Suspiria is coming out, and it's one of my favorite horror movies of all time. I'm actually still looking forward to the Luca version of uh, of Suspiria. Um, sure. You know, so there, there, there are there are an Evil Dead. The, I absolutely love that reboot, but there I are a lot I, of terrible ones I as well. I believe I was told to shut up, stop motioning at me. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so so it could be a, it could um, be a single movie franchise, anything you want. Well, I, yeah, I I I think they too often make the ones that were done really well the first time. I think Suspiria. you do the ones that weren't done right. Um, so I would go for the Running Man. Ooh, yes, yes. Nice. Well, which I loved as a because kid, and I watched just, later, and I was not like, even close Ugh. to the book. In fact, it's the opposite of the book. Yeah. Because the point of the Running Man is is it's sort of this every man, like it could be any one of us who gets in this situation where where you have to do this futuristic game show. Instead, it's Arnold Schwarzenegger who is the least accessible, <laughs> the least every man. Yeah. It's the no man, the least every man. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. The furthest from me you can get. Um. And and it's just you know uh, everything about the book and what's amazing about that book none of it is is in the movie um, and and it's a it it's a book that belongs uh, it's it's a movie that belongs in the world we live in right now um, it's just uh, believe me I've inquired oh, okay <laughs> it's like just like a right just a right situation it's not impossible but like oh especially with um, Stephen King that is my that is my right dream now. reboot. Well, yeah, cause I, I, and I appreciate that because I think that so many of those times I'm like, oh, why are you redoing this amazing movie? And I, again, I'm I'm willing to watch the new Suspiria. It's literally more than one hour longer than the old one, but Dario Argento <laughs> did it so fucking well and so different that I'm really excited about it. This so. isn't horror, but they're already about to reboot Pirates of the Caribbean. Are they going to reboot a movie what? in the middle of rebooting a movie? I feel like in, <laughs> like the next movie reboot in the middle, they're going to be like, oh, sorry, start over. And they're just no, going to like. I'm going to say, like, we live in an age where things aren't even allowed. <laughs> like, those were successful. Like, yes. And, yeah. they, and yeah. they weren't half bad for what they are. So okay. that's, that's... why are we jumping so quick to redo that when there's, like like you said, Running Man? Perfect yes. example of something that could be redone. Something that was, like, that has a great story and a great potential that would just was not quite done right because of, like, the hype at the time that could do totally be done right now. But eh. all right, yeah, uh, totally. Yeah, I don't know how these decisions, like like the cabin fever decision, like what the that was like, like not even did, an like old ten movie. Years after yeah. That was a good. I liked. I liked. Let's cabin do a fever. shot I, for shot. Yeah. Ten years later, it's like it's not Psycho. Yes, yeah. I, I can at least appreciate <laughs> sort of Psycho. Be yeah. like, oh, you're you're copying Hitchcock. Like, oh, we got this Eli Roth movie. Except, gonna, remember, yeah. remember the old Hitchcock black and white one where they where he masturbated and you could hear it loudly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, and let's make yeah, and, and it wasn't now, it wasn't shot for shot. That shot was not in the original. Well, I mean, Hitchcock wanted it in the original. <laughs> anyway, uh, going into number nine. <laughs> sorry, Andy. <laughs> All good. Uh, number nine. I got that shot uh, in my head. You do want to ask this since uh, yes. this is your call together I, I question. I guess I, I will ask this one as well because this is mine. Oh, so I was looking at candystore.com and they have a uh, uh, an interactive map of America's favorite Halloween candy by state. Uh, you have uh, been in Vermont, which their favorite candy is Milky Way. Um, you are now in Connecticut, you said. Uh, which yep. the uh, which is favorite candy uh, is Almond Joy, and of course you what? are. Fuck that. Uh, yeah, and Massachusetts <laughs> Sour Patch Kids. I am curious what your favorite candy is. 
Uh, that was a real interesting lead up to just what's your favorite candy, Andy? <laughs> I just wanted to to rhyme. I wanted to rhyme. <laughs> My favorite candy is uh, is the good old fashioned Reese's peanut butter cup. Okay, good. I, I was I was afraid you were gonna say the good old fashioned candy corn, which by the way is fucking Idaho, Nevada. Iowa and New Mexico's favorite candy, which does not make sense. How? I don't, who, How is that possible? It's, it's, it's How not, is no, Milky Way possible? That's just like someone oh, took in, the peanuts in, out of the Snickers. Exactly. No, in, in Vermont, I'm actually very – because the second was Skittles, which also is just like a sweet little thing, whatever. And then third is M&M's. Like Vermont, Vermont I, I, I don't agree with. Um, I don't know. I don't, I don't agree with that. Um, uh, Reese's That's all shocking. the way. You would think with all the marijuana in Vermont, they come up with – a, a, a better a better one than that at least go for you know something like the whatchamacallit does anyone have whatchamacallit oh, i i love whatchamacallit yep, it's exist. actually one of my favorite uh candy bars ever. i think one of my favorite yep. is score uh whatchamacallit is like those, are, it's old those are hard to find no 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 score that's yeah score is one of my past. favorites yeah uh whatchamacallit yeah. one of my five like like every time I, I find it i buy them and i eat them and i feel terrible about myself exactly right, yeah. it's great it's like instant yeah, diabetes i love it <laughs> All right, uh, number 10, we're going to the last question here. Uh, in 10 words or less, define elevated horror. Uh, nonsense. Oh, thank nonsense. you. Thank you. I think it's by, nonsense. By the way, this this was actually technically my question as well, and and Scott was like, "Why are you asking this?" I'm like, I, re- I read, I read it, it like I was a like, professional. Yes, I was like, without I, knowing I read, no, 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 no. I I I'm glad I'm glad that it's being talked about. I'm I'm actually, yes. I, I don't get like it doesn't irk me, uh, and I'm, it's exciting to be like when I get to be in that conversation, and someone would mention yes. one of my movies in that. I that believe me, that gives me nothing but a good feeling. But it seems to imply that. That horror other movies other horror suddenly, movies, yes, oh. yeah, like suddenly they're meaningful or something, or they're more thoughtful, or like no, I, I, you know, I look at my horror movie collection that spans several decades, and and there's, um, you know, like The Exorcist, probably my favorite film of all yes. time. If that's not elevated, I don't know what is. Well, and, and like, uh, or, or let's like say when they started just reframing uh genres they're like well you know silence of the lambs that's not a horror movie anymore that's a thriller like yeah. that's, a, that's a movie about cannibals like and shit like that's a that's a horror movie like and that won an academy award we're like well now that it won an academy award like it's elevated horror it's a you know like so nowadays i i feel like and the reason i wrote this question is because i i sense a little bit of your uh distaste for the terminology while also appreciating the fact that horror was at least accepted as elevated uh in an in, in interview is that i felt exactly the same way where i was like horror has always been has the uh ability to be elevated it's just that when they've done it in the past nowadays people have to accept get out's a horror movie you have just given an yeah. oscar to a horror movie like you can't just call it a thriller you, you can't just call jaws you know a thriller you know, you've got right. to realize they're, right. they're a horror movie now. So, Elevated yeah. Horror, Bob and Doug. Lambs was a horror movie. Exactly. And so, Elevated Horror now is, uh, is anyway. So, I, I specifically threw that question just to, like, like I don't know, poke the bear a little bit, I guess. But uh. No, I like it. I like, <laughs> I like being able to, like, I, you know, I think it has more to do with what's making money. I think the reason yes. it has a term is because it's making money again. Um, and you got Hereditary and, and you know all these movies out there. Yeah, Quiet Place, uh, uh, even like Bob something Duck. like it, like it, 
it was really like a Babadook, It Follows, The Witch, all these movies have opened doors, uh, have made it easier for me to like start an LLC and find investors for something like Witch in the Window. Yes. So I'm really glad that, um, I don't think it's the movies that are elevated. I think these are movies that have people have always been making that are now being elevated by the fact they're making money. Well, and, and, um, and, and there's they're just different distribution mechanisms that allow it to happen. For instance, you know, you and Shutter, and a lot of these like other places where you can go, like Netflix and Shutter and Amazon, mm-hmm. where you can actually get some of this stuff uh, produced and distributed, where you might not have that in, in Fantasia and all these other festivals that are blowing up that allow you to get this stuff out into the open and make people realize that you can make these beautiful movies on a small budget. And, and and that are like genuine good drama movies that just happen to have this horrific element to it. Like they're horror movies. Sorry, like that's that's yeah. the genre they belong in. Yeah, but it is important for people to know. I and mean, when people ask me, you know, uh, about uh, you know being aspiring filmmakers or what they should do, I you know the first thing I always say is if 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 you're into it as a fan, if you can stomach it, work in horror. Yes. Um, it, it just it, it just makes a ton of sense. And like you said, it's so fluid. There's so many avenues. There's there, there's really not a ceiling on what defines it. Um, it. And it has a bottom line reaction that there's this hungry, passionate, amazingly warm and smart fan base. And if they respond, it, 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 it will drive itself through all these websites. It's like um, the energy of the fan base drives the movies forward. And in addition, again, like you're saying, to all these festivals, these amazing—it's—it's—it's uh, it's, it's amazing to be on the circuit. Like we've been on the circuit with these other movies that are wonderful, and and uh, and the community that happens um, on the way. Uh, it's again, you're just not going to find it in the same way working in in other genres. And those other genres are going to demand that you have stars and and all sorts of things that that uh you shouldn't have to have absolutely and i I really appreciate that like sentiment and that like i mean that that speaks to what scott and i have have thought about in terms of horror and hopefully all our listeners uh, are thinking about in the same way um once again andy we really want to thank you for for being on the show and and answering all these serious and sometimes nonsensical questions (laughs) absolutely Um, thank you so much no, it was so much fun. You guys are the best. This is like these are some of the best questions I've had the chance to answer, and it's just felt like nothing well, we, but uh, really, having fun for an hour. We really appreciate that, especially uh, being uh, you know close Vermonters and New Englanders as we are. So uh, anyway, uh, I'd catch uh, anything that you can find uh, of Andy's anywhere. But of course, we go on and uh, and uh, Wish in the Window on Shutter. Wish in the Window is exclusively on Shutter right now, so you got to check that out. I believe Yellow as, Brick Road is still on Netflix. Uh, Yellow Brick Road right now you can catch on Screenbox, I believe. Oh, okay, Iconic it's moved. Yes. It's moved. But uh, Yellow Brick yes. Road is also amazing. But uh, look for anything he does. Check it out. Also, uh, Bloody Disgusting and all these other uh, Dread Centrals have talked about you being the director to watch, that you are going to be going on and doing these amazing things. So just look for him doing amazing things. And uh, Andy, once again, thank you for being on the show and, and talking to us. Thank you very much. Thank you guys so much for having me. Be well. Thank you very much, Andy Ben, for doing that. Uh, I know you already heard us thank him on air, but we just want to make sure when he's listening back to this that he truly hears how much we appreciated that interview. Yes. That was uh, amazing. We have thanked him thousands of times now. I uh, I can't thank him enough. That was actually really, really, really fun. Um, I can. I thanked him three times. That's enough. 
That, but well, we're done then with that. Um, well, uh, just kidding. Thank, I'm just kidding. I can't thank him enough. It's, I was going to say, well, thank you, uh, everyone who's listened to this uh, extra long episode of the podcast. Uh, we hope you come back next week. We are hoping with timing and scheduling on our side that we get James to Courtney, the new Mike Myers from the new Halloween movie. Oh. Uh, on the show this week, uh, coming up, if we don't look for him the week after, we're still in the yep. process of scheduling. Uh, and then, of course, I, I, Roy I actually, Kaufman soon after that. Yeah, I, so. say, I actually can't lock down a date with James Dude Courtney until early in the week, probably four days from now. Oh, you think he's busy because he had, like... Uh, he's he's in the movie. That is literally that was, the reason. I've been yeah. texting with him, and he, he was like, he, "Oh, like, it, it turns, yeah, it yeah, turns he's out like, he's like, I'm dead tired." He didn't say that. I wish the fuck he did. If he did, I would. Not. I would have shit and come at the same time. Sorry, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> if you're still listening, how many times did we say sorry, Andy? Or that like we 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 apologized to him during the interview. Like, oh, I'm sorry, bud, because uh, he was a great interview. Well, it's because he he, yeah. he took our our uh, level of humor very well. We're you know, he, like he, I I feel like he's he's got that good New England like laid back lackadaisical humor. Like just fucking roll with the punches, man. Let's do it. Anyway, uh, so yeah, we're going to get uh, James Jude Courtney to talk about his Michael Myers role. And we're going to get um, uh, Lloyd Kaufman yep. and uh, for later anyone on who's, just any- to talk because he's just going to talk. That's the way he does it. And for anyone who's been missing the normal show where we talk about horror stories, we pull web droppings or uh, spider web droppings for October. Oh, we do that um, like crazy you, over at Patreon. Yeah, all you really need to do is go to Patreon dot com slash lost at home and you can actually find what basically Rebox. is our normal show there for this month because of all the interviews uh we hope you enjoy the interviews we worked really hard to get all these uh fine folks in line and scheduled uh we're having a blast talking to them and we hope you enjoyed them all but if you want more of a taste of what the lost at home usually brings you please head over to patreon.com we've got so much more to to bring you there and uh not only do we have more to bring you but also our good friends bruce bruce and jason jr have a lot to bring you there and uh before they do that we're gonna let them actually give you a little bit of an update on what they've been up to yeah they they have been going through a harrowing experience they've been going through it like we we think we've got it tough like trying to line up interviews and shit they've been going through some shit what is this week four of them trapped this, in the this, bunker. This 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 is uh this or is week five. This is week four. This You're is one of the prime number guy, and you can't count to five. This, this this is one of the weeks where they are. This is week four. <laughs> this is week four. So this is week four, and we uh, we uh, this this is uh them determining. Uh, I don't know. We, we don't. We're, know. we're about to find out. We are playing this. Uh, they just uh well we we got this off the uh the the what are they called the uh internet. Well, those uh, those machines on the streets of New York. We internet. tapped into them. Yeah. We pulled them out from the internet, and now we have the newest communique. Exactly. So I I hope you appreciate what we have to offer you and what Bruce Bruce and Jason Jr. have to say. Besides Until that, then, uh, yep. get, get lost. lost. Yep. It turns out while I was on my bender, Junior was right. There were tons of beasts surrounded us, and luckily, I was able to contain us in this food storage container. Oh, it's a big bin. Luckily, Jason Jr. is a smart lad, and he's able to keep us entertained while we wait for the uh, monsters outside to leave with this plate. Oh, what kind of a what kind of a ghost goes moo? A ghost cow? What kind of milk do you get from a ghost cow? Why are you telling me jokes while we're surrounded by werewolves? What kind of milk? I heard you the first time. I don't know. Give up? Every day of my life. Uh, never mind that. 
how about those cows? When do you think we can milk them? Oh, this was clearly a joke set up while we were struggling for our lives, but to get this over with, I don't know. When? During a full moon. During a full moon, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. No, a full moon. Get it? Cause they're cows. Oh, oh, I'll get that we're surrounded by cows, werewolves, were cows, and cow wolves. Oh, but did you get my joke? We're gonna die. I'm out of cocaine and we're going to die. Oh, I don't get down now. We're gonna get out of this just right. Just alrighty. Alright, we have to do this. I got it. We can sing a song. A, a special song. song. A, a song, okay. Maybe we give it a shot then. Alright, we're in this bunker and we're alright. A rap we're song. We're gonna make it happen because we're alright. A rap song? Oh, Jesus. Okay. It's not really a rap song. I'm just, just singing out my little heart. Uh, Found some cocaine and it's alright. You know, you wouldn't even know. You've been touched it. There's a cow outside and it's out of sight.